Good morning or early afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, crypto traders worldwide. I have a brief update for you today. I don't have significant movement, thank goodness, because I get frustrated when there's a lot going on just because I want to keep these as slim and small as possible so that it's more useful to you. I don't want to cover a whole bunch of stuff and have it be a waste of your time. So I want to focus everything that I'm covering and make sure that it's worth your time to hear the messaging. So um, another point, side point I'll make here, I'm tweaking things like audio and the fidelity of the audio to try to get the best sound experience. So any feedback that you have on that one would be appreciated. So I know, I know how it sounds to me. I know how it sounds when I publish it, but there's always the secondary voice, right? How does it sound when you're listening on a phone or you're listening on your whatever radio device that you're using? I want to make sure it sounds as good as it possibly can. I have tested it with some of the the auto closed caption tools out there, and it seems like it's picking up 99% of what I'm saying correctly. So I treat that as very good audio quality and fidelity, but as, again, feedback is always appreciated. But let's jump into this today. I'm going to start this out with the underdog token because, fortunately, there has not been a significant uh, movement in the news space, which makes me happy. I know that sounds strange, given that what I want to do is cover uh, news and tools of news, but I just, again, as I said before, some of the news just gets way out of whack and it's not worth the time to invest, I don't believe. Um, But there are some key points I want to focus on. Some of these I've talked about, some I haven't. Number one, XRP is called Ripple, is the token. And XRP has been attacked by the United States government for a very long time. What they're trying to get to is, I mentioned before in a previous episode, the United States government wants to have oversight over anything that they dictate to be a commodity. So when you talk about a commodity, let me try to dumb that down a little bit for you. A commodity is a simple good that is exchanged for fiat and then traded amongst a given population of people. So gold is a commodity. Gold, by and large, is only traded within the gold exchanges, and then certain collector traders might have some gold that they're trading for other types of commodities. The United States government wants to have any oversight over anything that they dictate has some connection to fiat because they believe that they are in charge of fiat because they are the ones that issue fiat because the current form of fiat is, okay, We are essentially giving you a promissory note, and in exchange, we will give you this commodity, whether it's a precious metal of some kind or something else. And this has been going on for a very long time, and it doesn't seem to have stopped. There just is this pervasive push to constantly attack certain cryptocurrencies and not all of them. And there's no real reason why this is happening. It just seems to be one of those things where the government has taken on themselves to try to protect people. Like it's, we just want to protect people. We just want to guard people, control what they can do. And I said it before that they want to control why people are able to generate wealth. They want to control the means by which they do. They really want you to be dependent on the system. That's really what it is. That's the truth of the matter. And this has been going on for a long time. It's still going on to the degree that XRP was actually embraced at one point And then they backed down later and there was no reason to it so then what happens is you have these various tokens who show up and they're trying to solve various problems but they have to be close to fiat because as i said 
I understand there's certain people who have this misunderstanding that, okay, we, you know, we're never going to get to a point where we are going to be left with fiat in the world. We're going to be in a world in the future where we're going to be nothing but crypto. And I keep telling people that fiat will always be involved. The reason it's always going to be involved is because it is too foundational to the way that we do business. It is value, but not perceived value. It is true value. It is intrinsic value. It's a value that you can specifically verify, not just an assumptive or perceptive value as is the case with most cryptocurrencies out today. Of course, the exception to this would be stablecoin, and that's because stablecoin happens to be tied to fiat. And so when you struggle to understand how crypto plays into it at the simple level, and I don't care who disagrees, it's the truth. At a simple level, it boils down to this. When you have a perception of a value of a thing, people are going to swarm to buy that thing. People who are my age or older will remember things like Teddy Ruxpin, will remember things like Beanie Babies, will remember things like Hello Kitty, will remember things like Pogs and so on and such, all the way up to now current day Pokemon. This is ingrained in the way humans think is if you have a perception of a value of a thing, regardless of why, you are going to take that and you're going to invest in it because you have a perception of value in a thing. There are people who seem to be stuck in this world of thinking that it's not all about perception and there's some true, true value or on the extreme opposite side, they completely trash crypto saying that it should not be where it is because there's nothing there. I'm a critic of the fact nothing's there, but as long as the money is being invested into something else, how is it any different than a Kickstarter or Indiegogo? That's my theory on what's happening in the crypto space and where people are freaked out. Now, I'm going to go back and talk about the current bear market, and I call it bear market. This is not a widespread accepted thing right now, but I call it bear market because we are just before the Christmas holidays. In addition to being just before the Christmas holidays, tax season will begin in Q1. And so people, I believe, are stockpiling the vast majority of their money in anticipation of the Christmas and, you know, have to go give shopping and that sort of stuff. And today, and this is going to be the case for the next possibly five years, we are not at a world where we even think of gifting crypto to somebody else. Whereas if you thought about it, crypto should spike around, I would say, Black Friday, Cyber Monday, and Christmas, Christmas Eve. Why? Because we should be in this mindset of gifting crypto, crypto to somebody else, no different than somebody who buys a gift card for somebody else for their birthday or for these major holidays because they don't know what gift to get them. But as a society, we have not embraced the concept of gifting cryptocurrency for these major holidays and celebrations, possibly in lieu of buying gifts. If you think about it, inflation has actually caused prices to go up. So when you buy gifts and things from the store, you're being charged more than you normally would. And as a result, your fiat isn't going as far as it could because your buying power has gone down. And that's the definition of inflation. Yes. So think about it. If you were to instead gift some crypto to somebody, crypto is on the down, so you should be buying the dip in the first place, and you can get it at a discount, essentially, even though it's the holiday season. The stores are not heavily discounting everything. 
they're increasing prices and then they do a discount on the increased price to try to trick you and think you're getting a deal when you're really getting ripped off. It's all inflation related. But if you were to send crypto, crypto's price is not infected, and I meant infected on purpose, it's not infected by the political scene that we have right now that has caused the inflation that we are subject to. So I guess this is my subtle subconscious effort to convince you to think about possibly gifting crypto to people. Because as you buy the crypto, you are helping contribute to the price movement in a positive direction. As other people hold crypto and you tell them to just hang on to it, you are contributing to the price movement of that token or tokens. So that's something I think people are not taking to advantage is, hey, let's really use crypto, use this as an advantage for crypto to grow beyond what it is. I, that's my personal opinion. I stick with it. It is what it is. I could be way off, but to me, I think that that's the best way to get this moving, get this going forward. Now, let's get into some of the currency here. And there's a lot of talk uh, about certain coins. And I wanted, let's, I don't want to talk about SHIB to a heavy degree, only to say that SHIB is not at its base. SHIB is actually going up. SHIB is going to go up a little bit more. I've, I'm still bullish on it in the long term because of some of the burn mechanics they put in place. So if you are or have been following SHIB, I think it's important that you continue to do so and just keep an eye. And if you're holding for the long term, continue to hold for the long term. I will maintain that you're not, you're past the point of being able to instantly make, you know, millions and millions of dollars off of it without a significant investment at this point. But you can still make a pretty good money, a pretty good bit of money by investing what you can into it and then just kind of sit on it. I think it's going to hit, I, I do think it's going to drop another zero sometime next year. Depending on the rate of the burn, I'm I'm adamant that it can only do so. I don't think that there's too much reason why it cannot do. And I'm at this point kind of just watching and waiting, kind of see how it goes. And if it turns out that it does work and it's everything's all good, great. Or there could be something else that happens and it tanks, but I don't believe so. The other token that I want to talk about is a token that I, I've, I've watched it on graphs and I've seen what they're talking about and I understand what they're doing and it's all good, but here's where I'm kind of sketchy on this one. The token's called Rewards Bunny. It's on the Pancake side, so it's Binance Smart Chain. And their use case is unique. If you know, if you have a Capital One card, Capital One is a very similar structure, and then there are other tools that have uh, similar structures as well. Um, I believe Acorns has something similar and Affirm and others. But their use case is that they take a portion of the commissions that they make for sending you to stores and they gift it back to you by your rewards. So if you have a rewards card and you swipe it at Walmart, right, your card company gives you 2% back or something from that swipe transaction. What they're doing is they're saying, well, all you got to do is use our referral link we'll take the commission that they're paying us and we'll give you a portion of the commission. So it's basically cash back without having to be tied to a specific card, which it's, it's not a unique use case. Many have done it where it kind of separates itself. I think from the pack is there's two components of how this works. Number one, this is a rebase token. So I described what rebase is in a previous update. Go back and listen to that for the details. But in summary, if you were to look at the price of this guy right now, you're going to be like, what? How the heck is that possible? It's anywhere near Bitcoin. 
it's because of the way rebase works and the way that they're changing the price according to demand and supply. And when you do the analysis and you look at the the all-time highs and the lows, it's like, okay, it spiked to like a million. You would not have made a million. It's whatever your investment stake was, that's what it was. So you would not have been instantly a millionaire when this guy launched. And right now, if you were to buy in at the current price point of 50, it could double, let's say. But if you only invested $100, you're only going to get $200 worth of value because it doubled, but it's not like it spiked to exactly that amount of money. So the again, go back and listen to the rebase episode for more details on the rebase, but just understand that it means high volatility, significant levels of volatility in the price. Now, because it's a rebase token and because it's tied to a reward system that is of its own design and it's basically gifting you back our money tokens if you want, you can basically increase your stake, increase your bag over time without significant investment using the stores and shopping that you had already done. I'm not going to say that they're great levels of cash back, like Groupon is up to like 40%, which is pretty good, but you know, stores that people actually would go to, like Macy's for say, is like $4 or 4%. So it's not like you're going to get become a millionaire off of a cashback like that idiot who bought a Tesla for 60 grand and got 5,000 rewards. It's not anything like that. It's just an alternative to if you have credit card rewards. It's an alternative that lets you have the option to get payback in crypto for doing transactions you had already done. You just have to use the referral link to do it. So if you wanted to be an investor and you thought that there was something to this, like maybe its current form doesn't really work for you, brother, but you felt like, okay, this might have some long-term strategy to it, then it might consider buying it in as a long-term. Just understand because it's a rebase token, you're going to see price movement all over the freaking map and it's going to, not going to make any sense. And it's just because that's how rebase tokens work and you have to only pay attention to your stake, not the price of the token. The price of the token is fundamentally useless the price that you have, your stake, is all that really matters. And that price is not going to significantly move except by way of percentages. If, it, if the price doubles, your stake doubles, and that's it. But then the number of tokens you hold may be affected, but it doesn't have anything to do with your stake. So you could buy in right now. Let's say you put, you know, it's 50 grand. So you, on 50 grand, you buy 1% of it. So you buy $500, $500 is your stake, right? And then it doubles your stake's $1,000, but you have half what you had in terms of tokens. So just make sure that you're aware of how the rebase works before you decide to buy into it, if you decide to buy into it. I'm not saying don't. I'm saying that it's going to start throwing people off and confuse people the more that that happens, um, the way that they do that. And then on the flip side, another token I covered before, um, the DYR token and the Disco Burn. Uh, the, these two tokens, uh, one of the people that I wanted to have on the show and we're trying to get the scheduling sorted out, represents the DYR token. I want to just have the high-level conversation as an investor myself. Like, I'm, I'm an investor of the DYR token. I've watched it and watched that mechanic, and I want to have the conversation with him to just talk through the vision and the value and kind of what got them there and where they see things going and what's the long-term plan for the one token but also the ecosystem of tokens because scams getting a lot more elaborate, I would argue. So hopefully that's coming here soon. Now, I've got some unfortunate commitments that are coming next week that are going to limit my time, but we're going to try to see if we can nail this down, get a schedule on the books, and and get this thing going because I think it'll be a very useful conversation for you to hear directly from the sources. That token has had some challenges, 
some starts and stops, and I don't think it's gotten a fair shake. Now, to be fair, I think a lot of the design and what's what's happened is inherent just to the design of crypto in general. There wasn't much they could really do about it. So I'm not going to criticize them heavily at all. And if I can get them on the phone, that's definitely not what I'm going to do. I want to treat it like a casual conversation between two people where presumably he's an investor as well, but he also represents the project. I'm an investor, but I also can analyze projects and kind of see where things are potentially going and then take from there. So I'm, I'm excited if we can get that going. Um, I'm looking forward to possibly having that conversation. The other thing I want to mention, there's a site called Coindesk, and I briefly mentioned it at one point, but Coindesk, um, it, it does an overview, and you can go to the site, and you can see high-level information about the various cryptocurrencies. Coindesk put out a message on social media that essentially implied that, okay, well, crypto, and it was referring to one specific project, but crypto is essentially a Ponzi scheme, but then so is fiat. And I want to just speak to that for just one second. First, let me define a Ponzi scheme because there's a misunderstanding about what Ponzi scheme is. If you're in the United States, Social Security, as currently built, is a Ponzi scheme. Now, I think people get freaked out because they hear the word scheme, but you got to understand in the definition of what Ponzi scheme is doing, Social Security is a Ponzi scheme. A Ponzi scheme is that person A is putting money into something to fund or support person B. And then that person is putting in to fund or support person C. And at some point, depending on how many layers there are to this tree, you're going to get to where it's insolvent, meaning that you're not able to support the program itself. So imagine if you got, if you're an employee for a company and the company is in, is employee owned, which means that they've distributed all the shares to the various employees. Okay, so then the financial success of the company should go back to the employees because you are a privately owned corporation and you have distributed shares of the company to the various employees. Sounds good, right? Consider that your customers might include certain of those employees. If that's the case, and it probably is for like, in most of the, most of the situations where this is true, are going to be public, but just imagine that it was for a private. If that's the case, then what you're talking about is kind of a chicken and the egg, right? Because you've got an employer who sells something to someone who happens to work for that company. So the employee has to get their paycheck from the same place that they just spent money on. So you're giving money to your employer and then you're giving money to the, to the government for taxes possibly two ways because you might have be in a state that charges taxes. So you give money to at least your employer, let's say a third of your check, depending on the service, and then they pay you a salary back down, but you're paying it back up. This is unsustainable, which is why various companies don't do employee owned that are serious about it, that are private companies. They don't do that. They do the public because now it's a different entity. Now you could have an investor right, that is bought into a publicly traded company who then has kids who work for that same employer and then those kids who just so happen to live with this person are filed on tax, you could have this whole convoluted thing. But generally speaking, when you have this scenario where you are 
interdependent with multiple entities all in the same hierarchy, you are essentially creating a Ponzi scheme and it's not sustainable long-term. The money has to come from differing sources in order to create true circulation to support a strong economy. You can't just keep, you know, robbing Peter to pay Paul over and over again because eventually that money's going to run out for one reason or another. So when I say that Social Security is a Ponzi scheme as currently defined, it is already documented that Social Security will become insolvent by the time I get to retirement age, by the time many of the listeners get to retirement age, it's going to be insolvent, meaning they won't have enough money to pay you what you should get because when Social Security was first thought of, the, the brilliance of it depended on a different thought process at an economic level. It assumed salaries would consistently go up. It assumed that we would not have age discrimination. It assumed that we would not have racial disparity and discrimination. It assumed that businesses would be created, not shut down. It assumed that small business would be the dominant and not monolithic who keeps absorbing up their competitors. It assumed that employees would be constantly benefiting from things like pensions and others to supplant that income. That has not been the case. So as a result, it is at the point of insolvency because there's not enough money going into it now. And you have a whole slew of people from the baby boomer, boomer, and soon to be Gen X levels who are not able to work anymore and they're trying to retire and then they're consuming from the system but because they're retired or retiring, they are no longer contributing into the system for the next generation. Meanwhile, you have millennial sets and Gen Ys and others, many of whom either choose not to work or cannot work or for whatever reason, the employers are discriminating against them. So there's less money being collected to pay into Social Security. Remember, the employers only pay to Social Security from an employee as a share of that employee's stake. This means that you have less people giving to the pool and more people taking out of it. That's why it's a Ponzi scheme, right? Now, with Coindesk, and the reason I described it that way so you can understand that it's a hierarchy flaw, it, it makes assumptions that cannot be sustained. In Coindesk's statement, the reason that it's true and correct that both fiat and crypto at some level are Ponzi schemes is because if you think about fiat, the only reason why we decoupled gold from the United States dollar was because at some point the government realized there's not enough gold to back this asset. We don't have enough in order to make this sustainable for the level of demand that increased over time. And we need the flexibility to basically print money, which is what they did. However, future generations said, okay, well, we can print money. We ain't got to worry about it no more. So then smart people start saying, well, why are we then paying taxes? Because wasn't that what taxes are supposed to do is it becomes the end game of the promissory note that now I made X, government wants Y, I pay Y, and it goes back into the system to create that conduit as a pseudo Ponzi scheme. Well, now we have the Ponzi scheme still in place in the form of taxation. So we're promising to pay and we pay taxes, but we're still printing more money because we claim that we're broke. The truth is we're broke because we're sending money overseas. So the vast majority of the money goes overseas. So given that this is the case, we, it's a Ponzi scheme of our own design. We are forcing a constraint that is 
giving them self-justification to print more money. That's on the fiat side. When you look at cryptocurrency, there has to be money put in to create a token and a coin. There has to be money to manage people that are doing the development and the administration of the token. Those are likely investors as, as well. They are then investing back into the token because they are usually holders themselves. That money then is eventually they're going to end up paying taxes when they do withdraw. They might also even be paying fees back to others. So when you do transactions and there's a fee as part of the contract, you are essentially being charged this way and it goes back into the pool that goes to somebody else and then the cycle repeats. Because you have that interdependency with holders versus those that are adding to the system and taking from the system, you have essentially created a pseudo Ponzi scheme in the crypto side as well. I think their point is, so what? Because we understand you're not going to be able to get away from the Ponzi scheme thought process because we're too far past it. Because there's no way to have clean circulation without some sort of overlap because of the level of diversity of the people who are interested in cryptocurrency, which means that the same pool of people who are in it now are always going to be in it, and that's never going to change. So given that that's the case, you're always going to have overlap, and you're always going to have Peter to pay Paul, and there's nothing wrong with it as long as we understand it and we recognize it for what it is, and then we create a plan for what to do about it. I said in my previous episode that I felt that this was an opportunity to use crypto to help solve some of the other problems that we have from an economic perspective. The United States government, at minimum, is too worried about locking things down instead of leveraging it to benefit the rest of society. The shortfalls in Social Security can be immediately solved if we embraced cryptocurrency for what it is and what it should be. Consider it. We have enough now in crypto's market cap that we can address those shortfalls in a number of years if we create a plan around it, and we have some structure and rigidity without tying people's hands we can fill that shortfall, as well as things like homelessness, as well as things like poverty. Then it's a Ponzi scheme that is for good because we're taking this as an advantage rather than a disadvantage, and we're using that interconnection between entities to build wealth so that we solve problems. What we're doing in Social Security is not building any additional wealth at all. We're just complaining about it. By we, I mean the government. We're complaining about it and then saying, well, sorry, there's nothing we can do about it instead of actually fixing it, which is we need more money, but we don't need to add to inflation by passing a pointless bill that has a bunch of pork in it, send 80% of it overseas, and then give a pittance to the American people. When what we could do is say, you know what, let's invest 100% of the next bill into supporting cryptocurrencies growth. What do we need to do to get this thing to take off and get more popular and get more brand awareness, get more eyes on this thing? And then use what we learn and how we collect taxes and how we collect that to shore up what we've screwed up from the Social Security and use some of it to address some of these other problems. Using Ponzi schemes for good so that they are no longer schemes. They become strategies. That's the beauty of it, right? Ponzi strategy instead of Ponzi scheme. I think it's, it's, it's about a different way of thinking about things. You look at things as an opportunity. You don't look at it as, well, this is what it is, and it's dead, dead and down, and we should trash it, and we should lock it down because of X, Y. Why don't you turn that to, 
to quote a Star Trek, I believe a Star Trek Next Generation episode. How about turning your disadvantage into an advantage? How about we turn it into something that can do positive for society? Unfortunately, I will say, and I'm not afraid to say, that our current administration, that's not what they're interested in. Current administration is wanting dependence on the system. They want social services. They want them to be dependent on government. And as a result, everybody pays a bill. That's why I'm such a strong advocate for cryptocurrency to succeed and survive and why I want to educate people. Because I want people to be able to create their own wealth, even if it's not millions of dollars, but at least that you can be somewhat independent from having to rely on discriminatory employers, a government who really doesn't care about you as an individual, a government who will really go public and lie and support somebody who lies. And I'm referring to this as, as Dave Chappelle calls him, juicy small yay, idiot, where everybody knew he's lying. And even Donald Trump said he was lying back in 2019. And people jumped and attacked him. And yet people in the current administration were all supportive of this guy with all sorts of terms in the news, and then they backed down when they realized this guy really was lying, and they were just jumping on the bandwagon, and then they influenced other people to do that. That's not the kind of world that we want, and I don't want any of you guys to be subject to that sort of manipulation, but to do to get away from it, I'm going to have to help generate independence, financial stability of your own design, so you're not having to rely on that, so you can be strong on your own and not have to be influenced by that type of behavior because you're not subject to, the, to getting in that black hole of social services. So what Coindesk is saying is true. It's 100% true, and the reason I believe that they're saying it now is because there's so much attack on cryptocurrency and the claim that it's a Ponzi scheme, and then you got the Congress talking about whatever, they're trashing crypto, and you know the current administration doesn't, clearly doesn't like cryptocurrency, doesn't believe in it. It's because they don't want you to be wealthy. They don't want you to be independent. They don't want you to have to not depend on them. They want you to be dependent on the system and locked into their rules. And the whole goal of at least my platform, I can't speak for all others, but there are certainly others, is to try to help drive some financial independence. But I want you to think about, is it truly a Ponzi scheme when you do it for the right reasons? Or is it just a Ponzi strategy and we can rethink it because we're doing it for the right reasons? That's the real question we should ask ourselves, not just attacking crypto. And I know you guys don't, but I'm just informing you of the narrative that's going around right now, especially with the Congress thing. 2022 will be interesting in that regard if we are able to open up our minds and think about it way different than we have been and realize that this crypto, I believe it's here to stay and it can do good if we allow it to do good. It'll do evil if we allow it to do evil. But sometimes you take the bad with the good as long as good is being done and we recognize the potential for that good and it's a stronger need than just attacking farting cows, for example. 